Okay, here we go. So we are going to be learning. Honestly, I I taking a little lighter approach this week. Zara Shemshon, some of them are extremely heavy. I mean, most of them are. This one I, I, I saw, it's a bit of a lighter piece, and we're not, it's a very long, lengthy piece. We're going to be doing a part of it, an excerpt from it. I've just printed the parts which were relevant. And uh, any further introductions here? Big thank you to Shlomo, as always. That goes without introduction. All right, so let's go. So, fresh thing, Barashas Baralo Kim. So let's see, we're going to be looking inside. So you, everyone has got two things. You've got a Zara Shimshon and... Uh, where the, the, bottom, the bottom paragraph on the right side starts with Adayin Chova. And see, that's where, where we're going to be starting from. This paragraph, Adayin Chova. All right, we're going to be starting from Adayin Chova. If you have a real safer, it's page Chavtes. Um, right side, bottom paragraph. So we're going to be looking at a measure. So let's just take a look at our Mar Makomos, make sure we're, we're familiar with what he's talking about before we read his print. So the Torah starts, Barashas Bar Elohim, in the beginning of when Hashem created, but it uses the words Elohim. And we're familiar with the concept that Elohim is Midas Adin, meaning that there are different names of God, and the different names of God relate to the different Midas, relate to the different ways that He conducts towards the world. The way HaKadosh Baruch Hu relates to us, there they are represented in His name. So we have Elohim, and we have, we have Hashem. The Shem Havaya is always representative of Rachamim. Yud Ke Vav Ke means HaKadosh Baruch Hu is merciful. When you see Elohim, you know it means Din. Din means exact, strict, justice. This is, this is the way that it is. So the Pasuk starting off, Barashas Bar Elohim, the first time we find God's name is Elohim, it means that Hashem is making the world relating to us with Din. The problem is, just a little bit later in the second, in the second chapter of the Torah, Source number two, it says, Elo told us This is the story of the heavens and earth, Bihibaram, when they were created. Biyomasos Hashem Elokim. Suddenly we get Hashem. And Hashem, why, why the switch? Why does it first start off with the word Barashas Bar Elokim? That it's Midas Adin. And then suddenly and later in chapter two, suddenly we see um, Hashem, the Midah of Rachamim coming. So the the Medrash picks up on this, source number three. The Medrash says, Vayitzer Hashem Elokim. It says Hashem Elokim, and it notices this discrepancy between Elokim and Hashem. So the Medrash looks at a pasuk, Melech b'mishpat yamid aretz. By the way, this pasuk was quoted in Daf Yomi on Daf Kufhe just three days ago. If anyone was interested in that fun fact, all right. Melech zemelech malchem hakadosh baruch hu. This idea that the king establishes the world, this king is hakadosh baruch hu. But mishpat yamid aretz. What does it mean? With justice, he will uphold the world. Shabaras olam badin. The point the Medrash is saying is that the world is created upon justice. The Medrash's point is that we should look at our Kaddish Baruch Hu creating the world with justice. We have to understand Barashas Baruch Force First and foremost, it was created with justice. Meaning, even though we're going to see a switch later, we cannot remove the fact that it was established with justice. Rashi, in Source 4, says something that we're very familiar with, also quoting from a Medrash. It doesn't initially say Hashem created. Rashi gives us a different story. Initially, God thought in his mind, in his intent, in the thought, the plan was to create it through Din. Then Hashem saw, What does the word Miskayim mean? That's what we're going to focus on tonight. Miskayim is that the world wouldn't wouldn't be continuous. It wouldn't be able to stay like that. 
Therefore, Hikdim Midas Rachamim, he, he brought Midav Rachamim forth, he like brought it forward, Vishitva Lemidas Adin, and he connected it, he made a partnership between it and Midas Adin. That's what Rashi says, that's the Pshad in the Pasuk in chapter 2. So you get a very different approach from Rashi and the Medrash. It's something that you completely gloss over unless you look at it really quickly. We know it starts off Din and then it goes to Rachman. Okay, but what exactly happened? Rashi seems to say it was a thought to create it through Din, but that's not what happened. The reality is, is that it came a fusion where Rachman was combined with Din. That's the way Rashi says it to you. And I think that's the way that completely the way that we're taught it. In other words, was the world actually created with Din? Simple question. It's a yes or no answer. What's the answer? No, I always thought. It was supposed to be, that was the plan, that was an ideal, that was the thought, but that's not what happened. That was not the reality. The reality is that it ends up being a fusion of Rachman. However, if you take a look at that Medrash, the Medrash really didn't say that. The Medrash looked at the Pasuk, Melech b'mishpat yamid arts. And the Medrash says that it's a fact that God established the world through justice, through the power of Din. So it's almost in a certain way a contradiction between the way Rashi is painting what the Medrash says and the way the Medrash itself says it. The Medrash seems to say there was definitely a first creation through the power of Mishpat, which was established as the rudimentary, like fundamental of the world. But Rashi's making it sound like the whole thing was just a thought. It was just an ideal, it was just some intent which didn't come to reality. So that's going to be one point which the, which the Zerashimshan is going to struggle with. How are we supposed to relate to the world being with the Din? Is it a thought? Is it a plan? Is it a reality? What is it? All right. So now let's already take a look inside the Zerashimshan and we'll start reading his commentary inside. It is still a chova, it's like an obligation. It's an obligation to analyze the Medrash. Initially, God plans to create the world with Din. Ra, he observes, the world will not last that way, it will not endure. And then suddenly he blends it together with mercy. And the question he asks is such a simple question. It's almost like we're challenging God, but we're allowed to in this way. Initially, what did Hashem think? And in the end, what did he think? Now, that's a poetic usage. That's the Gemara who does that. And the Gemara says, initially, someone said something and he switched his mind. The Gemara will want to know, why did he switch his mind? Initially, what did he think? And then what did he think? You have to always analyze something and see the two ways to look at it. So here we're talking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we're talking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mind, so that becomes a much more of a challenging question because there can't be something you know, wrong, so to speak, with God. So what does this mean? God plans on creating the world. There's an intent that there should be din, but Lamaisa din doesn't work. Din doesn't come through. We live with Rachman. What does that mean? What did Hashem originally hold? And then what actually happened? How do we understand that, 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 that transition from uh, thought to reality? And then he quotes a very similar medrash. I actually found that it's a Gemara and Chagiga, so I just quoted the Chagiga. I, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's a medrash or not, but it's definitely a Gemara and Chagiga. Uh, in the fifth fo- source, the Gemara says, Rabbi Lazar says as follows, When God initially created light, it was so powerful that it was like a shining thing that you could see from one end of the world to the other. But then Hashem, after making this light, then he looks at humanity and he sees every, all the bad that's going to come through people. He saw that people are going to mess things up. So therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes it away and he hides it and to, hides it, as the Megamar goes on to say, for the tzaddikim in the world to come. So 
Clearly in the Gemara, there's a creation of light, a more powerful light, a light that we're unfamiliar with. HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts it in the world and takes it back after observing the way that humanity is going to act, and then he places it away and he stores it for the tzaddikim in the world to come. And here as well, you get that very similar type of qu- line of questioning. He writes in the next paragraph, <laughs> in a similar line of questioning. We can analyze the medrash. The initial light God created on the first day of them. A person could observe it from one end of the world until the end. God looks at the, the generation of Enosh, the Mabel, the Aflaga, and all of the perversion that would come through their actions. He stores it away for the righteous. That Pasuk we say, right? Right in Yom Kippur, that's the thing. We take out the Tzadik. The people at their best. And that's always one of the reasons why you do it. But the Tzadikim says that you're supposed to give the Sifrei Torah and the Shul to like the highest people. And the idea of it is is that they represent the best a person can be. They take out the Sefer Torah as Yom Kippur is beginning. In other words, the best people of the community in their best, all as Yom Kippur is coming, that's the Arzurul Latzadik. But we live with that. The point is that it's a role model. It's a paradigm for the community. The idea is that you can't give up on the light. There's a light. You gotta, you gotta believe that there's a light waiting for you somewhere in the world. That's the Arzurul Latzadik. We can ask the same type of line of questioning here. Which is a pasuk in Yeshai, which means God knows everything, right? He's omnipotent. He knows every single thing which will happen. Of course, God knew from the very outset that from the, this plan of making a world with people that there were going to be sinners. Which clearly were unworthy of the light. So then why create it? Why make a light, place it in the world, and then say actually it's a bad idea because they're going to be, people are going to destroy things and then take it back and store it away for Tzadikim. How, how do we understand? How do we process such ideas? And really it's, there are many more examples. He stops after this. But if you actually go through Parshas Baratius, you'll see there's about, I think, just right on the surface, about six of these things where there's a change in plan. God does something and then it switches. All right. Now, so he gives an approach here, and I, I think we're going to see as we go along with this, that right away, it's not going to hit home so well. The more he talks and the more it develops, the more the message develops, which is very, very normal in this style as we've, as we've seen. The Eshloma, we're going to give an approach here. Of course there was a reality of din. It's not just a thought. It's not just an intent. There was definitely din. There's no way to get around that. We should not misunderstand. And I definitely am I'm happy to say this because I definitely misunderstood it. I always thought that it just means God planned but didn't actually do. And he is strongly opposed to that. God made the world with din first. And afterwards, he saw a problem in the kiyum, a problem in the endurance. And that's when he fused Rachman with it. I, Rashi, said it was that it was a thought. If we're saying it was a reality, like the Medrash implied, like the Pasuk says, why is Rashi saying Machshava? So he answers very simply, an obvious point. We have established when it comes to God, the thought is the action. What an obvious answer. How did God create the world? Do you think there are hands? You think it's like that, that God is sitting there with his hands doing and building the world? Everything is b'machshava. Sometimes we call it dibur. We call it, you know, the mamar of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the utterances of God. God thinks, so who am I? Yeah, he says it, and that's the way that it is. So obviously when it means God thought it to be one way, and then it wasn't that way, it doesn't mean it was a possibility that didn't come to fruition. 
of course we should understand that the thought of God is fruition. It is reality. That's the way he understands the Rashi. So, so far, point number one that he's making is do not misunderstand this to be a mere thought. There was an existence of Din. It's there. It's presence as Din alone. And then afterwards it is fused with Rachman. All right. Now he then goes on to say a really big novelty. Every time you learn a piece of Sarah Shimshon, there's always something like a startling thought. This, is, this, this next line is here. What do we always think of if there would be din in the world? If you ask me, I would say nobody would be able to survive. That's why I always say it. If there would be midas din in the world, what does that mean? Everyone would just be punished right, left, and center. We would all like give in. We just sin like crazy and be destroyed. That's the way I always understood it. Exact opposite, yes. If it would only be with midas adin, us bevade rovolim tzadikim. Certainly what it be is that most people would be righteous. Why? Because they would be overcome with fear and intimidation. The fisha, take and I never thought of that so well. You know, I always give this example. Like, I know this is so immature, but when I, when I was learning to drive, I, I remember we spoke, spoke at this back, back in, uh, after the Pittsburgh shooting in 2019, but um, I remember I was learning to drive, I was, I was 15, and I was, I was petrified, absolutely petrified, and, 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 and the day the day that my, like my first lesson, I was going to be like actually driving. It's like I was careful. I'm like, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin today. Because if I sin and I get in that car, God's going to punish me, right? So think about if the world actually lived that way. What would that mean? But we wouldn't sin. It actually means the exact opposite. It doesn't mean we'd be overcome with sin and we wouldn't last. The exact opposite. The world would be a bunch of tzaddikim because we'd live with such clear existence of the Rebona Shalom if everything was din. If everything was din, it would be cause and effect, immediate. You do a sin, you get punished. You do reward, good things happen. That's what din really means, essentially. And it would be an immediate sense of punishment. It wasn't a mistake. It's not a bad thing. It's not like Din would, would, would be something that would not be able to bring about a good world. To the contrary. Actually, what Din would have done, and again, ask nine out of ten people how they learned shot in this measure, they'll tell you the opposite. That if there would be Din, it would be the exact opposite. Everybody would be sinning and no one would be able to serve God. No, 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 no means that we're going to start the other way. Din was an overwhelming amount of tzidkus. And now we understand pshat. Just stop right there for one moment. Pause. God initially created the world with din. There's an existence of din. What coexisted with Amida of din? A huge amount of light. And there was a huge light which you could see from one end of the world to the other end of the world. Those two things go hand in hand. Because with a tremendous amount of din becomes a tremendous amount of clarity. The more I can reason with it, the second everything is just, we love justice. We love it. We crave it, and we can't tolerate things when things are unjust, right? Think about half of the revolutions of the world, in world history, and even current events as well. Everything is around whether or not something is just. If just would be, would be felt, the world would be a bunch of tzaddikim, right? No one would have any reason to complain. Everything would be wonderful. So then what, what is this, right? Everything's been, it's great. What is the issue? Why, after there's so much good, so much clarity in the world, so much everything is just, people are not sinning, so then why did the world then change? Where, where are we going with this? So he continues. God wanted that when people were going to, he had this, this switch here and the way the world was going to run, that even though I don't want to punish people when they sin, HaKadosh Baruch wants to be patient. And the question is why? And he's actually encouraging people. Enabling, if you want to say, the greatest enabler of sin ever was this transition of sin. That's what it was. It makes people be encouraged to sin to a certain degree because they don't feel it. The So now the light goes away. 
So and that's why we understand where the light goes. Now, again, we haven't answered fully our questions yet. Continuing. When the world was initially all din, and that caused everyone to be righteous. At that point, there was no reason to have any darkness. The reason why God initially created the light is because according to the original reality, it was all clear. There was no need for any darkness. There was never any confusion about what was right. He then fused Rachamim with it. The infusion of Rachamim now makes more wickedness. At that point, that lack of clarity now is now felt. It's hidden. He creates the light that we're familiar with, which tolerates a darkness as well. Meaning, the way the world that we know it, where it's fused with so much Rachamim, it's light that you see with darkness as well. What is darkness? Darkness means the way that people will sometimes sin. We have kind of the way we know it. We have sometimes be good, sometimes bad. One day I'm better, one day I'm worse. Exactly the way the world that we know it. That's why there's sometimes light and there's sometimes darkness. That all switched. Nonetheless, this Rachamim which he fused, if you think about what's going on here, it's not actually the greatest act of kindness. Would you say God was being kind by putting all this Rachamim? Not really. Just the opposite. On the other side, it goes so extreme that being so kind becomes so mean. Had it been all justice, you would do one sin, you would know how bad it is. It's like sticking your hand in a fire. Yeah, one time you get a burn, maybe you'll lose a finger, maybe at worst, but then you know you don't put your hand in the fire again. So, what he's ironically saying is, we've completely misunderstood so far what compassion of God means. We've always thought of compassion being kind. And he's real so so far, he's showing us do not misunderstand the word chesed with the word rachamim. They are not synonyms. Such a powerful point. Compassion that God does not punish a person, compassion on you, meaning you, the person, humanity is a sinner, and God chooses not to exact justice on them. That's not an act that is good for them necessarily. What it is is that it's compassionate upon them, it's merciful on them. It is pity on them not to hurt them. But after all is said and done, it's not being kind to anybody. Now, again, the obvious thing, which you got to let it. It's going to build. Don't worry. I'm just, there's a lot of drama. It'll be funny. So then why is it that way? Um, what happens when God suspends everything? It's the opposite. A person almost desires more sin. If I can get away, if I would have done that sin the first day, and this is what I was talking about then, but that way we misunderstand tragedy. If I would have sinned on that day, I would have driven. And I still wouldn't have gotten in the car accident. What would have happened the next day, day two? How do I feel about doing the sin? All right, I'll I'll, I'll wing it. I'll risk it. Because look, it doesn't have that effect. And that's what happens through the extra compassion that God has. What happens is it actually enables and fills a person's heart and desire for sin. And when their measure becomes full, then we never know where it's coming from because we think, oh, I'm invincible, right? I never got in the car crash. Then eventually, 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 whenever the compassion, so to speak, runs out, whenever it's too much, then there's a tragedy, then there's a punishment. And we're like, why did that happen to me? How can it be? That's the mistake of our thinking. We think of it as a cause and effect because we think of what's happening in a natural line of progression to us in our personal lives, and it's not like that. There's been a world with compassion and so many other factors that are not just because the world is not running through just. So we speak about God and we're trying to rationalize it as a just God, but God is not relating to us through justice. 
And that actually makes it harder for us. All these questions we have, which we deservedly have, we struggle through tragedy, we, tr- we struggle through so many questions, they wouldn't be there had God not fused Rachman into the world. Din would have been a lot simpler and easier and clearer to deal with. The irony of ironies is that God putting Rachamim is actually putting Din. That's the crazy idea. Din starts off really strict. Rachamim starts off really soft. But when you get really, really, really far to the extreme of Rachamim, you get right back to Din. You get the punishment. Rachamim fills up, fills up, fills up, and then boom, it fills up, and then suddenly you deal with something that's so difficult to deal with. This is a Pasuk in Malachi. I, God, have not switched. What does it mean, I, God, have not switched? It wasn't a mistake. God never switched his mind. He didn't start off with Din and then go to Rachamim. He started with Din and he continued with Din because the extreme of Rachamim comes full circle back to Din. I like, sometimes like to think about it like through politics. You ever notice like when you get a lot of debate, you know, right, left, who's right? If you ever go to like the super extremes, somehow they come back together like that kind of debate, this is where you could think about the concepts. The extreme Rachamim is right back on Din. This, don't, don't put in the analogy now into politics. Just, just, just as an idea, just as an abstract, that's, that's where it goes. And that's the beauty of the, his insight, is that he didn't make that God ever switched anything. It was a different manifestation how Din came about, but it all ultimately gets back to Din. Okay. Now he gets to the most beautiful part, and this is again, you're only at like, I would say, 33% of what he really wants. The last part always comes quickly. Like, I don't understand this, but the actual words have been a little bit repetitive, redundant, you know, as you're reading it. And then the actual like meat is always gets really heavy at the end, and it's not in so many words. And this is where he goes. But what made this precipitated the transition what precipitated the transition is that God saw the world was not miskayim. What does niskayim mean? The other Rabbah doesn't make any sense. In my olam never bedin, had there been din, lawyer shomba olam. We've already said, then there wouldn't have been the wicked. So what does it mean, had there been din, the world wouldn't have stayed around. The world wouldn't have endured. Just the opposite. We're saying if there would be din, then there would only be the righteous. So you want to use a different language that maybe God wanted people to choose more. God wanted people to have free will. You could say many reasons why God wanted compassion. But what does it really say? It says because God wanted the world to endure, to be miskind. What's shot in that language? The way we're explaining it, the world would have been 100% misguided within. But God wanted to allow people to sin more. He wanted them to continue and continue and continue with their sin until the measure would fill up and it would come back to din. So what does that mean? He saw the world wasn't going to be misguided. No, just the opposite. Let it be just right, din and then everyone would be tzaddikah. So he says a beautiful pshat. Says in the Mishnah Pirkei Avos, Al Shlosha Dvarim Ha'oilim Oimed. The world stands on three things, and we know what does it mean. The world. Who is the world? It means your world. It doesn't only mean the global world. Every person has a world, your own little bubble that you live in, and your bubble is endured, endures. One of them is because of Chesed. Person has to be kind. We know another thing that how important Chesed is. It says in the Pasuk, Person should walk in the ways of God and cling to God. So what does the Gemara say? How am I supposed to walk in the way of God? How am I supposed to cling to God? Where, where is God that I cling to Him? So the Gemara explains that you're supposed to cling to the way God treats humanity. That's the way that you should treat other people. Just as God is Gomel Chesed, so too you should be Gomel Chesed. An example of that I printed of the last Maramakom is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, after Adam Arishon sinned, he literally clothed him. It's 
it says he brought the kosnos ar vayal bishem. Here Adam Arishon sins. He rebels against God. And how does God deal with him? He's nice to him, right? In the aftermath of sin, he's nice. He's helping him get dressed afterwards after he feels embarrassed. So just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he relates to a sinner in that way, so to you, you should do the same thing. That's the idea of what it means to cling to God and to walk in his ways. That's what the Gemara says. If so, had God created the world only within, and there only was din, and a person, most people would be tzaddikim, 100%, but a person would get immediate punishment for everything that they did, then it would come out that no one would have a role model for how to be gomel chesed. The ultimate role model for chesed that we have is HaKadosh Baruch but our only sense of where that comes from is because a person sins, rebels, and God still is kind to them. But if God would only act into us through din, then we would be missing that idea of where we would learn that from. You want to know what society would be? It would be a bunch of tzaddikim, but a bunch of tzaddikim who would be completely jealous of each other, with a bunch of hatred for each other, filled with all, a lot of issues one to each other. Why? Because they don't see in the world any other way of existence. The way the world works is this is justice, this is what is, and if you harm me, then I can't let go. How do I ever let go of anything when someone harms me or isn't right or isn't up to par, whatever it is, the way my standards and expectations? The answer is because God is that way to me. And even if I don't always think in that way, my very identity subconsciously is always feeling that. Sometimes we call it insecurity. That's a very complicated way of saying, you know, a psychological term. But the depth of insecurity is, I know that who I am is only from God's mercy. It's all God's kindness. I'm not really that good. I'm, I'm not really the tzaddik that maybe I'm trying to give off. I don't have those same qualities. And if you relate to it on a spiritual level, it's so deep. Our relationship, our indebtedness, how grateful we are to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our very identity. You can't escape it. The nature of our gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu simply is who we are and full of what our esteem is. If we didn't have that, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu related to us all through Din, then we wouldn't have any tolerance for anything else. That's the way it's supposed to be. The world would have beat Tzadikim, but it wouldn't be Miskayim. Miskayim is Miloshon of that Mishnah. It means that the society wouldn't work. People, there wouldn't be people treating each other well. These people would all be Shemr Shabbos. Everybody would be keeping everything between them and God. But they wouldn't be able to fagin one inch when it came to somebody else. God saw that people won't be good people. They'll be wonderful angels. They'll be treating me wonderfully. But one to another, they won't know how to fagin. He stuck that midah of rachmim in. And by sticking it in, then it changed things completely. I'm so like blown away by this thought because if you just follow the progression of where we're going here, just to recap, and we'll close off, but just to recap where we are, God creates the world within. Had the world been within, we would have had a bunch of tzaddikim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that the world would not be miskayim. The taichin that means is that people would not be forgiving of one another, tolerant and, and, and be able to give up on what they expect from other people. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu therefore relates to us in a different way through Rachmim. We now have that ultimate paradigm, the father figure in our life, the way we're raised with this godly father figure of God relating to us to Rachmim. That's now our model. That's our compass inside of us of the way that we exist and function. And now that is what motivates us how to forgive and forgive and work with other people. You ever notice on Yom Kippur, so right, it was just coming off Yom Kippur, how it's 
such a blend of the way you're talking to God the whole day, but it's really all about your relationships with other people. You ever, you ever, I, I, it's an emotion. It's a thought. You know, it says in the mission on times that uh, the, whole, the whole day, that, that, that the simcha of Yom Kippur was really all about they used to go in the fields and they were trying to make shiduchim. It says in the day of uh, the slichos that we recited at the end of Musaf that the definition of the day of Yom Kippur is Yom Slicho Mechila, Day of Forgiveness. Okay, great. Yom Sima Avav Achmas Peklal Yisrael. Take a look at the look at the Lashem. It's a day that there is unity amongst the Jewish people. Yom Kippur, more than anything else, being pardoned, coming to God, all of us, the cleansing of that process, more than anything, builds unity, which is fascinating because it's such an underrated theme. Like, you know, like we know, okay, I have to ask Mechila for my friend before I go into Yom Kippur. But if you really take this idea, like really, 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 really far, the extreme of it is that the whole essence of being forgiven by God, the whole process of atonement, confession, feeling better, feeling like you're growing, feeling that God is looking past your sin, that entire experience that we all go through on Yom Kippur essentially builds us as better people. And it builds us as better people because it shows us what the process is about. The second you go after Yom Kippur and you see that you know someone's wronged you and that they were wrong and that you have issues with them, but you've just gone through that experience and it's the ultimate. It's, it's, that's the sign, that's the prototype, that's what guides us. We have no sense for what guides us and navigates us through the horrors of, unfortunately, of what life is without these experiences. And it, it's really, you know, sometimes we break it down. I, I, I always think about this like, it's like, a, I used to talk about this in high school a lot. It's like, there's a craving that we all have to be a good person, right? Well, religion, do this, do that. I want to be a good person. I want to be a good person. There's a deep, deep crave to be a good person. If you really buy to this idea of more and more, the good, the best person in ourselves, actually it's through religious experience that you get that more and more. I'm not I mean to say that without that, you can't be a good person, that's not my point. But my point is, it's not a separate avoda. It's not a separate part of yourself that knows how to be a mensch and knows how to relate to somebody and knows how to be pleasant and knows how to forgive and knows how to work on a team. Every single one of those things comes through the way that you relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's all in that relationship. Think about it like, you know, it's like, a person naturally always goes back to the way that they were raised. There are certain things inside of you that just are from your background. You can fight, you can resist, you can learn more, you can grow, but your natural self is your upbringing, right? We all understand that. That's God. And he's obviously in the much bigger scale and different than the way you know our literal parents did, but that's what it is. That's the father figure. The way that God raises us is the way we're going to raise other people, the way that we're going to treat somebody else. You have to think about it. How does God treat me? Right? How does it work? And the more we're working through that, thinking through that, it's such an inspiring point because on the one hand, it brings so much gratitude to God, but on the other hand, it makes us able. But that God made us like him. We're meant to cleave to God. We're spent to walk after God. That's, that is the essence of life. The essence of life is to understand that we can also be and be Meshat of the Midav Rahman. It continues a little bit here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu still did not start off with the fusion. He still started off with the din. He was forced to start with Din before going to Rachamim. Let's say he would have started with the fusion from initially. You know what you could say? I could say that the whole essence of life is compromise. If everything was just started off initially, it wasn't Din and then brought in Rachamim. If it was initially the fusion between them, I would say that's the essence of life. The whole essence of life is to know how to compromise. And that's not true. That's not true. And, and it's a very interesting mistake because 
you think we're almost going there, right? That's the whole thing. I don't get my way. Big deal. We'll meet in the middle. That's not the value. The value that God is trying to show us is not it's always better to compromise and whatever is in the middle is better. That's not the point. God actually, it says in the Medrash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a deep disdain for compromise. Sometimes compromise is necessary. I don't mean that. But in, in it, there's, a, there's a dislike that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to that. There's really din is din and what is right is right. And the values and the, whatever it is that we have, our core values or what the Torah says, those are right. I don't come in looking in an ideal sense for that. I have to know how to fagin. I have to know how to be compassionate. I have to know how to do chesed when my ideals don't go right. But I need my din. My world has to exist within. I have a world within. And then afterwards, I'm a shot of Had the world just been from initially, from the outset, this blend of midah rachmim and din, then the model would have been very different. The model would have been don't have such high standards. Don't think that din isn't such an important thing. It always needs to be blended. And he goes on with some more of those sources. I just want to get to skip one paragraph to get to the last thing. Was that move on, Masha Amru Chazal? It's very simple when you read the words of Chazal now, it speaks for themselves. Whenever a person is Maver on his Midos, whenever a person has their natural way that you'd want to react, you, let's say you have an anger issue and someone does something which is now the catalyst for that anger to come out. And a person is able to work on themselves where the anger does not. It's maver on the midos. What happens is maver and local pshav. Then God passes over his sins. Lemino say avon lemi shover al pasha. And as he explains it, he goes on to say it's really right there. That's exactly the point. That the, the highest madrega that we can reach in our system is to be maver al midosov. The Gemara says that sometimes with Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer, how when they were diving for rain, sometimes you could have tzaddikim. But to have a tzaddik who's maver and midosov is a completely separate thing. One tzaddik daven for rain, it didn't come. When somebody else daven for rain, and when he was maver on his midos, he was someone who had overcome nature, then, then, then the rain came. Because lamisha maver on midosov, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a completely different relationship with. And it's nothing to do with sitkus. It's a separate point. Remember, the world within would have been a world of tzaddikim. But a world of tzaddikim, but not people who are maver on midos. Maver on midos is a different madriga. It's a completely different aspect which is coming out all here strongly from the, from the Midas Rahman. Okay, Shkoyach, guys. Shkoyach, beautiful.